0: Welcome to the Energy Mix. My name is Barnaby Smeaton, and you are listening to our first episode in quite a long time. I'm joined by my co host, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? I'm good,
1: thanks, Barney. Yeah, good to be back on the podcast and recording again.
0: I think we should mention that we both took quite a long break from the podcast because so much for both of us has been happening professionally. And I think we both found it rather hard to juggle working as well as uh, finding great guests for the podcast and researching content for it. Some people that have listened to the podcast though very kindly um, have very kindly said how much they enjoyed the content. They enjoyed some of the guests that we've had on, and for that reason, I think Andrew and I decided. Well, uh, let's um, let's organise it again. Let's let's get back into it.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think the only bad feedback I've had in the past year was the quality of the sound. And we've both invested in new microphones, so you should be hearing us in super high sound quality Yeah, you know, i've been all over the world in the past 12 months barnaby's doing some amazing things and we've got some great stories to try and tell you over the, the next set of episodes uh, but i think since we started recording the world has changed uh, i i feel like it's turned on its head the climate agenda when we kind of started we were all very passionate about it and and excited but the, it seems the world is now Fully targeted on a, a net zero and accepting climate change. Oh no, wait a minute, America isn't. But apart from America um, <laughs> and maybe Australia, um, the UK certainly got a net zero policy, and that's what we uh, wanted to start talking about today. So I, I think Barney. Australia's. Luke...
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, Australia's been dragged, kicking, and screaming uh, <laughs> towards <laughs> solar. <laughs>
1: Sorry, i sorry I mean I do feel that's a pointed dig at you Barney it's not not at all it's it's good to have some UK Australia banter on a, on an energy podcast who knew cricket
0: too uh, it's it's energy. it's uh, it's not a low blow at all it's it's a, an objective description of the Australian energy industry which is finally finally becoming less schizophrenic um
1: I, I, yeah and it's I, I mean it's been great watching that from the other side of the Tasman in New Zealand you kind of New Zealand kind of learns from Australia and looks at what it's doing and um, all very, very interesting, which we'll talk about. Anyway, UK net zero. Barnaby, you wanted to talk about it. Um,
0: what, yeah. What, what is it? What does it mean? So the Committee on Climate Change, uh, which has existed for quite some time, um, has released a report recently effectively on how the UK can deliver its obligations under the Paris uh, agreement, the 2015 agreement regarding uh, the need for major, major and um, minor economies to to target net zero emissions by 2050 in order to avoid um, in order to avoid a two degree um, warming in, in uh, on the earth. So, <coughs> um, so a 600 page report. Um, They've also published, of Of course. Um, (laughs) I've not, (laughs) not all of it. They've published summaries as well. There's a good slide pack. Um, I also had the, I had the privilege of hearing um, Chris Stark, the CEO of the CCC, uh, being interviewed at an energy conference in London. Um, That was fascinating because he provided some context and and a little colour on some of the things that he thinks are particular challenges. Um, So it's a really interesting read. I think very timely. It probably was one of a few things that have encouraged Theresa May to legislate Net Zero. Um, And I think some really interesting takeaways from it. It's obviously vast in scope because it's looking at the entire economy. Um, And... Some sort of takeaways that I thought were particularly interesting were the the position that um, CCS is essential, hydrogen is very likely an essential part of decarbonisation, um, and there was also some some real numbers around um, power generation in two thousand and fifty, amount of offshore wind, solar, and so on. So, mm. uh, really interesting report. I don't know if you had you had some thoughts on it.
1: I, I think what's really interesting is it's not just looking at the electricity industry which is something that you and I have historically been very focused on uh, I know in my life it, it, the focus is moving away from power and on to heat and on to transport and how we decarbonize those sectors and I think the net zero term I mean it's it's kind of very it's been picked up very uh, very widely is what we're trying to achieve and that's Uh, Not just trying to reduce our emissions of of greenhouse gases, but also trying to, in effect, offset those emissions, uh, which is the kind of the net zero piece. Uh, And it is a very good report. There's some really good uh, detail on there about um, how we might decarbonise the different sectors and also how that breaks down into the different parts of the country. So, you know, Wales targets a 95% reduction uh, in greenhouse gases by 2050. Scotland achieving net zero by 2045 the thing i would i would say is uh my suspicion and, and perhaps a bit of hope and optimism in there is we'll probably achieve that before 2050 and um, certainly in electricity probably in um uh, land-based transport and heat i think there's some so many interesting stories around heat that we're going to try and bring you with some guests we've got lined up um also, a little bit irked. They didn't use MyGrid GB for their figures. They used the huh. the data from Drax, which you know. I mean, I'm not annoyed, but I'm a bit annoyed. I'll be honest. But what can you do, eh? <laughs> uh, interestingly, <laughs> though, the B- I thought the BBC article is 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 great on um, just providing a little summary. And again, National Grid, they've they've stolen a chart from uh, stolen. That's the wrong word. Probably, don't think we can edit that one out. But they've they've used a very similar form of chart to what MyGrid GB. So. Great to see that uh, being used.
0: <laughs> yeah. Imitation is the highest form of flattery, eh? Um, yeah, absolutely. One thing Chris said in the interview that I saw, it was a kind of open interview um, in, in in the midst of the Aurora conference a few weeks ago, was he, he regards domestic heat as one of the most challenging aspects of decarbonization. And he didn't specifically say it I suspect he feels that way because of the challenges around the smart meter rollout. So, mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that, you know, even if, even if, um, well, I, I suppose he, either if the, the UK goes down the hydrogen route or um, fully electrifying heat, um, there's millions of households that have to be ways, encouraged eh? in some way. Yeah. I it's, mean, um, like it's with EE2. Like with the EE2, you, you often have the challenge of um, um, the, the landlord, landlord not necessarily being incentivized to make these capital investments, so government needs to create a policy that encourages that that kind of, kind of challenge yeah. the,
1: uh, I mean we've called this podcast. Specifically, we called it the energy mix, and and in part that was we thought it was quite witty and clever. But but more importantly, we we, we both believe that the solutions to decarbonisation aren't aren't single technology. So uh what I get, I, I've done a bit of work in heat and met some really interesting researchers in heat, and the kind of common thread is that it's it's a mixture of interventions that are needed. And and I th- I think heat's very very interesting, particularly in the UK. Where it, it's going to be real local solutions that are important so research being done at, at durham university where i'm a, a, an associate and looking at using heat from old coal mines and the, the water in the old coal mines it's that's warm essentially and using that to provide low carbon local heat to villagers not on the on the on the gas grid you've got yep. Places like Leeds looking at hydrogen as a, a form of providing heat. You've got or historically in this country we've had insulation drives reducing the the actual heat demand. We've got my own personal experiences using smart heating, which took forty percent off my own heating bill just by not turning on the same boiler or being more controlled and measured around the same boiler, you know. So I think I think there's a whole mix and suite of interventions that we need to be be focused on and talking about and and um, uh, you know which I think Chris is right I think in theory it looks like the the hardest challenge right now because we don't have a solution to it like we do with electricity we can see it's on the path with vehicles we see that cars are increasingly um, electrified and that technology is 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 increasing in potential there isn't that locked on suite of measures in heat yet in this country is is that Mm. fair barney
0: yeah um i I agree with you i mean when it comes to the power sector the report's quite clear that um decarbonizing power is a matter of extending and extending policy measures and market measures that have worked well in the past and that they are needed that um Mm -hmm. merchant projects Are unattractive to debt providers, Um, so that was another fascinating part of that conference. Um, But it's fundamentally more nuclear, more solar, more offshore wind um, at pretty incredible rates. I mean, we're talking four gigawatts a year of of, uh, of wind and solar. But but when it comes to heat for achieving that, yeah, Yeah, we've achieved Um, that. eh? When it comes to you, you, and you're already seeing you're already seeing electric buses on the streets in, in London, and, and, and the occasional electric car. Um, but yeah, heat is heat is much more tailored. Um, the as we as we've spoken about before, the, the the challenge of gas is just extraordinary. I mean, mm. still still get um, still get I think one hundred and sixty terawatt hours of, of power from gas. Uh, it's something um, like to say nothing of
1: forty percent of our electric, roughly, yeah. and ninety percent of the heat demand, and 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 yeah. you know, you've there's a lot of people very very concerned around that gas, and 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 I think it's it's a, it I, I hope we don't get to this point, but there's a real threat to this country that a shortage in gas supplies in winter with, you know, much more limited storage now leads us very exposed to, you know. One, higher gas prices. Two, people potentially being able to want to afford that. We've got um, huge amounts of poverty and inequality in this country. So I think our exposure to gas is is pretty dangerous and, and, and something that will receive a lot of attention in the next few years. I mean, um, we talk about, uh, I, mean, ga- I mean, just to dive into gas just briefly, which is so fundamental to heat and fundamental to our decarbonisation now, gas being the en- enemy, Yes, some of it comes through Norway, but it comes through a, a pipeline, and if that pipeline fails or fractures or is, is is taken out of action for weeks, what what do we do then? Well, then we've turned increasingly to Qatar and the gas that comes through the Straits of Hormuz. Well, what's happening in the Straits of Hormuz right now, with the yeah. issues with Iran? So you can see how uh, not a very unlikely chain of events could lead to a, a real heat crisis in in Britain. Um, that you know, it realistically, could kill people. And um, gas has got to be the enemy, really, um, of the the climate, but also our our social and um, our social well and yeah, you know, uh, social well-being, really, and physical well-being. That's what I'm trying to say. Crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, all it takes is two tail events at the same time. Like, well, one is already semi-occurring, right? Um, mm. The 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 sort of the sort of doubling up of things that um, that doesn't doesn't ordinarily um, cross people's minds. Um, so, the, the, I think the tricky thing with with gas is, if you go hydrogen, if you go the hydrogen route, it's um, it's green hydrogen, in which case you need a lot more electricity generation, to make or the it's brown, in the first place. or it's yeah it's brown hydrogen which means um ccs um so interestingly enough i saw a a good piece by um an american energy researcher called saul griffiths um about Hmm. about elizabeth yeah about elizabeth warren's um energy plan and also a, a nice kind of summary of what does net zero look like for the u.s and um it was it was uh it was really interesting, but um, I mean, similarly, the U.S. has big, a really big challenge around gas. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think in terms of short-term measures that the report um, suggests, there are two that jumped out at me, one of which was bringing forward the date at which internal combustion in engines should be um, prohibited in this country on the basis that it would save the country money. That was, yep. the, that was the rationale. The second one that jumped out. Yeah,
1: the, 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 sorry, the money saving relates to health costs. Is that right? Uh, or energy imports they, or
0: what? They, they didn't take into it. That's an interesting thing about this entire report. They didn't take into account collateral benefits like that. So okay. their commentary around how much net zero would cost being around one to two percent of GDP isn't net of, of, of sort of positive externalities. Uh, which I thought was an interesting, really interesting yeah. one. Um, second So, thing. yeah. Um, second thing that I thought was, was um, not necessarily a surprise, but like good to see in, in the report was basically direct advice around the need for CFDs or some other um, mm. support mechanism to encourage investment in, in offshore wind and solar that, that it's just, and I think, you know, you and I, you and I could we could attest to the fact that since rocks have been um, have been wound down, domestic UK solar is being very fantastic uh, as well. Yeah, very uh, uh, very uh, yeah.
1: And it's important and to touch on that, and it's great to see that recognised. I mean, with a. Uh, Uh, a low carbon energy project and i I think this is good i think it's interesting i think it's important that people understand where you're asking people to buy most of their electricity up front for 25 years that that's what you're doing you're saying put solar on you on your roof you pay all this money up front very very low operating costs maybe one hundred and fifty quid in 10 years for an inverter whatever you know you're asking people to put money up front and if you're asking people to put money up front They need to know they're going to get a return and the feeding tariffs and the rocks, whatever it came about, the floor prices on on wind that were put in place, they all gave investors from institutional banks down to, you know, Joe Bloggs living in a house in in Newcastle, um, they gave them absolute security of a return on their money. And that's that's something that is proven time and time again all over the world through the millions of installs in the UK to work. And it's great to see the report recognising that. And 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 that's a real role for policy and for government. And I think it's going to be really interesting seeing what people like Ed Davey, who is now running for Lib Dem leader, what he's going to come out with in terms of his policies. If someone's so instrumental in putting that investment security in place in the UK in the first place, what's he going to come out with? What's the Labour Party going to come out with in terms of policies leading up to the Imminent general election. Did I say that out loud? Um, you, you know what I mean. I, I, I think that's really yep. exciting and really important, and a, and a real lesson learned for the UK, uh, which yep. which is great to see in the report. Yeah, and um, we've and we've talked a lot about net zero, and, and it's kind of going to be a theme really of the the series of podcasts we're gonna we're gonna produce. And uh, I thought it'd be good, Barney, to maybe touch on some of the topics that we've picked up on and learned about in the past few. Past, well, the past few months, past year, uh, and maybe just give the the readers, a, uh, readers, listeners a bit of a flavour about what's coming. Is that so good?
0: Yep. Yep. Um, what? Go for it. We, so, uh, I mean, net zero is obviously just such a vast topic, and we could do an entire podcast on shipping, or, or on aviation, or on, or on gas, yep. green gas, so on. So, I think. I think going forwards, we'll we'll uh, hopefully with some some guests to help illuminate those topics. Um, have a have a theme based um, menu coming up um, around all of the the kind of points of of net zero, um, but um, uh, I think um, I think we'll we'll also do what we used to do, which was. Put in put in an interesting news story in every in every episode, um, and um, I don't know if we want to we want to each mention what we thought was interesting in in the news this week.
1: We do, yeah, that sounds good. And then I'll I'll bring up a couple of things from my professional life that I want to talk around. I, I mean, the the thing that jumped at me in the news is something that's fundamental to me in this uh, in the the whole decarbonisation journey that. You know, we're we're not talking around building a handful of power stations. We're talking millions and millions of projects all over the world of all different types and shapes and sizes yeah. with different people. So uh, a real key part to this journey is is how do we uh, consumerism in this whole decarbonization piece, you know, yeah. uh, to build the solar you're talking around. We need to do about 10 million domestic solar installs in the next 10 years. I think that's an amazing opportunity. So the piece of news that stood out to me was uh, some work by Money Supermarket, who are a price comparison website, and they were looking at paybacks, uh, which are potentially important or returns on your investment, and just to highlighting again the importance of uh, energy efficiency measures or uh, and the payback in energy efficiency relative to investing in solar or, or wind at the moment in the UK. So... i think it's just it was really good to see the kind of news coming out saying payback some leds can be as low as six months in some cases and reduce water shower flows which i've got makes no difference um really really great short paybacks really low barriers to um well low cost low low barriers to market it's not expensive mate you know that's a really really great thing to see coming out and and hugely important in the journey um I personally think that there's a few ways of doing the maths, but um, the way I've done the maths says demand reduction, energy efficiency, the LED bulb, have created as much a carbon reduction in the UK as closing down the coal power stations. So I really want to... I think it's really great to see energy efficiency being talked about. Mm -hmm. But you've got something on the other end of the scale to do with batteries, I believe, that you wanted to alert the readers to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so there's a news story last week about a british company called connected energy and uh the new story was about their second round of investment. so sumitomo macquarie and onji have all um have all provided um funds they've they've made a, a corporate investment in in connected energy um which i thought was um I, I think is a really interesting company a company to watch their their product is taking s- taking second life um EV batteries or taking retired EV batteries and giving them a second life repurposing them for utility scale applications uh so I think um I think really interesting really interesting mm. business model because it seems that it seems that 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 EVs, um, the the take up of EVs, EVs is accelerating, and the it's level good of good carbon. Capac-
1: I like that.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> unintentional. Um. Yeah. That that. Um. The level of degradation in an EV battery only needs to be about twenty percent, at which point it has to be swapped out. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, the worst. Worst possible thing would be for 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 batteries like that not to be um, not to be intelligently recycled, and so they um, th- they 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 grade them, they they repackage them, they they have they have um, cell monitoring software and hardware, and um, they can be then used in behind the meter applications, doing frequency services, all of that sort of good stuff. But I think really interesting um, company to watch because. EV batteries, with a life of maybe I don't know two years in a car, maybe a bit longer. Um, then, are, are in, a, in a in a second application in which their working life might be ten or fifteen years. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's I think smart. It'll avoid batteries being put in landfill. Um, it'll um, it'll mean that there's a British company which is putting itself at the at the leading edge of at the leading edge of, of, um, at the leading edge of, of what will be a, an explosive market um, I think because um, because everything's pointing to EVs and, and, and electric buses um, really growing in, in in fleet size so I think they're positioning themselves um, for that so I thought that was a really interesting um, a really yeah, interesting cool, cool. Um, story. Yeah,
1: A couple of things in there. I mean, you know, as, as the the life of car batteries, you know, uh, whatever that is, and I suspect it's 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 fairly long. Whatever the number is, at the end of the life of that battery, it has something has to be done with it. And the waste triangle says you want to reuse it. That's the best thing you can do, um, yep. other than not using the material in the first place so it, it, it'd it be interesting to see what they get up to as a barometer for uh, not just the ev industry but also the power industry and um, it, it's um you know it's a theme that's come up in the podcast before and we talk about creating a sustainable sustainable energy industry and that means sustainability not just of from a, a carbon and greenhouse gas perspective but also from a jobs perspective and a materials perspective so yeah really great thing to point out and worth people looking up and just thinking about what they're saying and why they're saying it. Um, uh, but without me to put the brakes on, on electric vehicles, I thought that was a great pun. I thought about that halfway through and nearly had to meet the microphone. I was laughing so hard to myself. Um, I, a couple of things. <laughs> uh, EV batteries do come up in my professional life, and it's something we're going to talk about, uh, which is the what I call the Great Pacific Ocean Race, and uh Welts uh, eulogising about the uh, climate. Uh, I am also flying to New Zealand fairly regularly. Uh, I wish it was on a, a, a low carbon plane and I guess I offset all my flights like crazy. But in the Pacific at the moment uh, we're working working for a company out there called Infratech uh, and we're switching whole countries off, uh, off fossil fuels. So these are countries like Tuvalu, Samoa, Palau, Tonga who are all racing each other to, um, become the first zero carbon country. Uh, and I, and I really want to do some work and some, some, some talking on, on what that means for those countries, but also more fundamentally what it means for the rest of the world and what the learning that's going on there, um, which makes me so excited and made me spend so much time out there. Um, what, I mean, what about you, Bonnie? What's the, what's the kind of thing you're most excited to talk about over the next few episodes?
0: Um, I think that, um, I think I'm, I'm most interested in, um, in talking about some of the less mature renewable technologies. So I think, um, I, I think it's, I think there's a lot of potential with, um, anaerobic digestion, um, green gas. I think there's a lot of potential with WAVE. Um, and mm. over the next few episodes, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking about those technologies and also, um, and also some, some companies that, that I've, that I've researched in the meantime, um, that I think, uh, have got something interesting there. Mm. Um, sounds good. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, thank you very much well
1: Barney for getting up on a Sunday morning to talk about energy that's great thank you for everyone for listening in to the energy mix podcast uh we look forward to one your feedback on this uh and Barney remembers email address not me so I'll let him plug that in a moment uh so we really welcome your feedback on email we look forward to doing more episodes and you know do connect with us both we're we're both pretty active on social media LinkedIn uh is probably the best way do connect with us and and tell us some of your stories and uh, positive and negative feedback on the podcast are always welcome so uh bonnie do you want to give everyone the uh email address and and say goodbye
0: yep so the email address is the energy mix podcast at gmail.com and uh we'll hopefully talk to you in a week or two again cheers uh,
1: sounds great cheers everyone bye
0: bye